0: My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, and that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins, for the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me. We celebrate the great feast of Corpus Christi. And for our time of prayer this morning, we can just pray with the Adorate Devote, that wonderful hymn of Eucharistic adoration that St. Thomas composed. Adorate Devote latens deitas, que subis figuris veri latitas, tibi cor meum, I devoutly adore you, O hidden God, truly hidden beneath these appearances. Lord Jesus, we have a need, a deep need in our soul for adoration, to love God as God, to recognize God as God. And you've made it so easy, Lord, coming so close to us in this form, so accessible in the Blessed Sacrament, so constantly present in any church. Our Lord meets that need of ours, which otherwise is very difficult, can kind of be abstract, the idea of God, the presence of God can seem far, ephemeral. You take that deep need, which is difficult in our own nature as creatures, to meet, to fulfill, and you come so close. Always just a few miles from us if we live in a town with Catholic Church. And then once we're in that church, Lord, always just a few feet from us. And so we thank you, Lord, for coming to help us adore you. Help us to adore God, God who here is hidden. My whole heart submits to you, and in contemplating you, it surrenders itself completely. my heart submits to you. And this is important that because of sinfulness, there's a danger that we're kind of permanently at odds with God, that we kind of take up arms against him. That as the devil wants us to, we can see God as a competitor or as an enemy. And that's the beginning of the great temptation of Adam and Eve, the devil simply sows doubt about God's goodness, God's truthfulness in Eve's heart. He says, did God really say you shouldn't eat? Did God really say that? And then he says, you know, you will not die. God did this so that you wouldn't be like God. He wants to keep you down against you. And to see you, Lord, in the Blessed Sacrament is just another manifestation of your goodness that you're not here to hurt us. You're not here to dominate us. And so it's good for us to say, I lay down my arms. I call a total truce with God. Anything in me or in my life that is mad at God for some reason, and that can happen. Suspects God for some reason. I surrender it. My whole heart submits to you. And in contemplating you, it surrenders itself completely. That's a bad translation. It's a translation that makes the Totem deficit, almost exactly like the totem subicit, submits to you, totem subicit, and surrenders itself completely to you, totem deficit. And deficit is more like it fails, right? The heart fails. It fails to plumb the depths of God, it fails to love God as much as God can be loved. It's like it faints, right, it faints away in its grasping of God. And that's super important, Lord, for our interior life to realize that not only are you good, but you're surpassing good, you're overwhelmed you're overwhelmingly good. You're an awesome God. as Jesus says to the Samaritan woman trying to get something like this across, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew how good God was. And paradoxically, Lord, by showing up in such a weak form, a form that is totally subject to us, a form in which we literally eat you, communion with you spiritually by eating the appearances of bread physically, Our Lord shows us his surpassing goodness, that there's no end to the goodness of God. And it's also an important consideration because, you know, sometimes like with God, like with other things, we have a word for things. And when we have a word for things, we think we kind of got it, right? We do this with people, we do this with things. Like, what's that? Well, that's a cat. Oh yeah, I know what cats are. Okay, got it. Check. Move on. But, you know, there are people who spend their whole lives studying cats, right? (laughs) Cat nutrition, and cat illness, and cat behavior. St. Thomas says that we, in this life, will never fully understand the essence, the nature of any created being. And he uses the examples even of a flea. And so that's a danger with things and people. Oh, yeah, I kind of get her, or get him, put him in a little box. Because we have a word or because we have a few thoughts about what they're like. But it's a huge danger with God, right? Oh, yeah, God, yeah, the creator, uh-huh, check. Uh, savior, redeemer, okay, good, yeah, he's important. But those concepts are just the, I mean, they're very important, right? They get us to the truth. But they're just concepts, right? They're just thoughts that the reality is infinite. It's, it can't be plumbed, right? It's incomprehensible. And for that incomprehensible being, which you are, Lord, for that infinite being, for that being which, whose depths cannot be plumbed, to become so small and so contained and so accessible, so close to us, reveals to us something wonderful about God, his goodness, his humility, his desire to be with us, his love. Visus tactus gustus inte falitor, sed dito solo tuto creditor, credo quid quid dix de filius nil o verbo veritatis verius. Sight, touch, taste are all deceived in their judgment of you, but hearing suffices firmly to believe. I believe all that the Son of God has spoken, there is nothing truer than this word of truth. All the senses are deceived. Why? Because when we look at the host after consecration, it looks the same as before consecration. And when we touch it, it feels the same as before consecration. And when we taste it, it tastes just like that unleavened bread that it is. And even hearing, right, when we crack it, and you hear that crack in the mass, sometimes picked up by a microphone and spread throughout the whole church, it sounds just like bread being cracked. And yet Thomas says, hearing suffices firmly to believe. Why? Because hearing is the bearer of meaning. With our hearing, we hear words, we hear intentions, communicated by other people. Hearing suffices firmly to believe. I believe all that the Son of God has spoken, there is nothing truer than this word of truth. So why do we believe, right? Why do we believe that almost impossibly ridiculous thing that we believe and we would stake our lives on that Jesus is truly present in the Blessed Sacrament? Well, because God said it, right? Because Jesus said it. This is my body given for you. This is the chalice of my blood the blood of the new covenant i believe all that the son of god has spoken there is nothing truer than his word of truth and one of the most incredible things he ever spoke were the words of consecration as so we can ask the lord lord give me a new appreciation <clears throat> a new appreciation a deeper faith in your real presence. Because it's so easy, Lord, for us to reduce you in the tabernacle and your presence in the Mass, again, just to kind of like another thing. Yeah, I get that. It's communion. And I walk up and I get our Lord and I sit in the church and I'm looking at the tabernacle. And, you know, we kind of like uh, believe it but we don't really believe it. We don't show that we believe it. Or if we really believed it, our comportment and our attitude would be different. Because I'm here praying and yet at the same time I'm thinking about how high gas prices are or, you know, which is fine. Who's going to win the NBA finals? Celtics blew it last night. Or whatever or myself, right, and a little bit more more about myself, and then some more still about myself. And the whole time God is like right there. It's like, duh, you know, come on, (laughs) get with the program, right? And that's another manifestation of God's goodness. He knows he's going to be ignored. He knows he's going to be desecrated. He knows he is not going to be appreciated in the blessed sacrament, and yet he does it anyway, comes anyway. In cruce la tebat deitas adhix latet simul et humanitas ambotamil credens ac peto latro penitens. On the cross, only the divinity was hidden, but here the humanity is also hidden. I believe and confess both, and I ask for what the repentant thief asked for. I believe and confess both that he's present with his humanity and his divinity. Which means, Lord, that you love me with a human heart in the blessed sacrament, and you understand me with a human heart and a human mind in the blessed sacrament, having become human yourself and remaining now human yourself in heaven. We have a friend here, not just a divine friend, but a human friend. I believe and confess both your humanity and your divinity, Lord, present here in the Blessed Sacrament. And I ask for what the repentant thief asked. And what did the repentant thief ask for? We know he asked for union with our Lord in paradise. He asked that he be remembered when he come into his kingdom. Remember me, Lord, when you come into your kingdom. That our Lord not forget us. And Jesus' reply, in a certain sense, is always answered in communion, this day you will be with me in paradise. Because what is paradise? Paradise is God. Heaven is God. And so Blessed Alvaro would say, after communion, with the people there in the chapel, the oratory, where he celebrated Mass, sons and daughters, sons or daughters, he would say, my children, were in heaven already. We're in heaven already, right? Because we're with God already, and we're contemplating God already. And God is in us already. This day you'll be with me in paradise. And Blessed Alvaro would go on to say, We would like to stay with you, Lord, if we could. We'd like to stay right here with you all day and and just be with you and love you directly in our prayer. But we know that that's not your will for us and we want what you want. And you, you want us to go and work and take care of each other and live family life and to apostolate. But there's part of us that would like to stay. Just us and Him. Communion. Only looking at Him. This day you will be with me in paradise. Our Lord responds to that request. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. We're in heaven already. I do not see the wounds as Thomas did, but I confess that you are my God. Make me believe more and more in you, hope in you, and love you. Foc me tibi semper magis credere, in te spem te deligede. Beautiful line, Latin. Make me believe more and more in you, hope in you, and love you. The three theological virtues, the three Connectors to God in this life. Semper magis te It's not just more and more, but always more. Indefinitely more, forever more. To believe in you more, to hope in you more, to love you more. And that's awesome, right? Because uh, God is the one thing that we can't overdo our love for. And so we find a certain freedom and satisfaction in God that we can't, we simply can't find in anything else. You can always drink too much beer. You can always have too many cookies. You can always watch too much TV. You can always binge binge too many shows. You can always talk too much. You name it, there's a limit. Except love, right? Except love of God and love of God in others. And our soul longs for that, right? It longs for something that it can completely let itself go in doing. Semper magis cratere intespem abere tedigide to always trust you more, to always hope in you more, to always love you more. O memoriali mortis domini panis vivus vitam prestans omini presta me mente dete vivere, ete il semper dulce sapere. O memorial of, the, of our Lord's death. Living bread that gives life to man. Grant my soul to live on you and always to savor your sweetness. Praise the me, te vivere. Grant my soul to live on you. Lord, how dependent am I on you? How necessary are you for me? And de Te vivere to live on you, is a good translation. It has that sense of dependence, total dependence. But I think an alternate translation, which I haven't seen anywhere, because it's probably wrong, but one that I like is to live off you. Like Like children who are grown up and yet they can't yet support themselves, or they don't find their way in life yet, and they come back home after college or after a few years out of college, and they end up pretty dependent on their parents, right? They call them the boomerang generation, right? You throw the boomerang out, and it comes, you know, goes out to college, gets into the world for six months, and ends up back in their bedroom (laughs) at home. Anyway, you know, life is hard. But we can say that, you know, they're kind of living off their parents, right? And to a certain extent. Well, this is what we want with God. This is not bad with God. Without me, you can do nothing. What do you have, St. Paul says, that you have not received? Even our good works. God works in us both the desire and the will to achieve it. The desire and the good work. To live off of God, right? To depend totally on God. Grant my soul to live on you. I remember college, there was a guy from Washington State, Paul something. I can't remember his last name. And uh, whenever there was uh, a small gathering, if there was beer involved, he had this uncanny way of showing up and asking for beer. And so, and he never brought any himself, right? So we caught We started to call him "free beer." And so. Um, at first, it was annoying, but he was a very endearing guy. And so we were happy when he showed up. You know, he'd open the door, and say, "Hey, free beers here!" You know, I have a beer, and that's good. You know, it's good to be free beer in this in the spiritual life, right? Not to be afraid of going and just asking right, for what we need. And that's a very good practice in the spiritual life. Um, if we need to grow in anything, if we need to improve in anything, if we need to change any, you know, an attitude or whatever, our first reaction is just, okay, yeah, I need to do this. And so we try to do it. And sometimes we don't even try well. We don't think about well, what would improving in it look like? What do I need to do differently? We just think oh, I'll just try harder and we try to brute force it, which is not smart. That's might be meritorious though. And so our first reaction is, what can I do about it? How do I grow in this or that? And I think it's so wise and so important that anything we want to change, anything we want to grow in, anything we want to improve, we start by praying for it. And our efforts to do it are accompanied by prayer. And we pray specifically for it and constantly for it. And if it's a big problem, we take it to every Mass and we Make no Venas and we go to our Lady, and we we storm heaven as Saint Josemaria says. The same, right, we storm heaven with those intentions that we need. Why? Because we're free beer, right? We don't we don't have any beer. We have to ask for it. We have to get it. What do you have that you have not received? PA Pelicani Jesu domine, mea mundo munda in. Me mundum munda tuo sanguine, cuius stila salvum totum quit ab omni Lord Jesus, good pelican, wash me clean with your blood, one drop of which can free the entire world of all its sins. And yet, Lord, we know that on the cross, you don't just strip, you just, you don't just shed one drop of your blood, but all of your blood such that when your heart is pierced, blood and water come out. And we might think, what's the point of that, right? If he could have just pricked his finger and saved the world, right? why get on the cross? Why the cross? I think there's two reasons. One is that it shows us how evil evil really is, right? The kind of like get us out of this complacency, this ease with which we offend God. When we see Jesus bleeding on the cross, we realize, well, my sins are really bad and sin is really bad and evil is really, really evil. This is what it does to the innocent one. This is what it does to the Lamb of God. This is what it does to God made man. But also, perhaps more positively, the cross and not redeeming us with a snap of his fingers or just with one drop of blood is a revelation of what God is like, right? This is how selfless God is. This is how loving God is. This is the extremity to which his love for us goes. This is a little peek into the selflessness that exists in the Trinity without pain or suffering. Jesus, whom I now see hidden, I ask you to fulfill what I so desire, that on seeing you face to face I may be happy in seeing your glory. This day you'll be with me in paradise. And yet we know, Lord, that until we see you face to face without any veil, and we have so many veils here, the veil of the tabernacle obscures the view of the tabernacle. The walls of the tabernacle obscure the view of the ciborium. The veil of the ciborium obscures the view of the ciborium. And what looks like bread, the appearances of bread obscures the view of Christ. But one day, Lord, there won't be any veils at all, right? We'll be with God. We'll be in God. God will be all to all. But it won't be that way unless we want it. I ask you to fulfill what I so desire, that on seeing you face to face, I may I may be happy in seeing your glory. And so we can ask you, Lord, stoke up, fire up my desire for true happiness, my desire for heaven. And for that we go to Our Lady, right? the Queen of Heaven, woman of the Eucharist, as St. John Paul II so beautifully entitled her. And we could just ask her very simply, help us to love your Son more in the Blessed Sacrament. To always more, Sempermaiji's our Lady, help us to love your Son, the Blessed Sacrament, Semper majis, to believe in him more, to hope in him more, and above all, to love him more. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect, my Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.